That's awesome. Let's give it up for everybody who shared. Yeah, so, so good. Uh, so important that we testify to all that God is doing, and thankfulness is part of the way that we do that. And really, as we're starting this Advent season, I think thankfulness actually is one of those ways that we prepare to receive all of who Jesus is and what he has for us. And as we're continuing and wrapping up our teaching series today, I am thankful for I want to make sure that we understand and connect it to how we celebrate the coming of Christ. And you heard that throughout the people sharing, giving their testimonies of thanksgiving, but I don't want us to miss it. Because of Jesus coming, we know that in the midst of all that we're facing, whether it's the joys or the sorrows of life, we never go at it alone. And as we sang before, that he is for us. And if he's for us, he's also with us. And as we think about the season that we're in, we're never, never, never alone, even at times when we feel that we are. But again, I'm glad you're here with us this morning, those who are watching online, those who are watching in the cafe. My name is Joe. I serve as one of the pastors here at Riverbend. We would love to get connected with you. So make sure if you haven't filled out a connection card that you do that. And then on your way out today, make sure you grab a Christmas devotional book that we have for you, 25 days of devotions leading up to Christmas Day, so I want to encourage you to pick that up. It's our gift to you. But again, we're glad each and every one of you is here. And I'm so glad not only that you're here, but I'm glad to hear how many of you had a great Thanksgiving. And one of the things that happened this Thanksgiving for me was the joy of not only doing it with family, but my son Ray discovering how he loves a leaf pile. Do you guys remember the joy of a leaf pile? Do you guys ever remember this? So what happened was my neighbor... Mr. Randy, we call him, and Mr. Randy had raked these leaves, and all of a sudden, Ray's jumping in them, and I, I turn to Randy, and I say, I am so sorry, we messed up your leaf pile. Like, I can fix it, where's a rake? He's like, no, 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 I purposely raked it for Ray, so that he could come out and be able to jump right in. Jump in and have fun, I'm like, what a gift. And these are the small gifts that we have throughout our lives, that sometimes, if we're not careful, we can miss and I was like, wow, what a thoughtful gift of Mr. Randy to do that. And, and my son's loving just jumping in those leaves. I, 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 I bury him in the leaves. He becomes the leaf monster. I'm like, he's alive, he's alive. And he comes up, yeah, I'm the leaf monster. And we just are making these memories together. And again, it's because of this kind gesture of my neighbor, Mr. Randy. And in the midst of all that we're facing, whether the good or the bad, whether the easy or the difficult, we have a God, again, who comes near to us. And so as we wrap up this series today, what I wanted to do is I wanted to do it a little different. I wanted to involve you. And so part of that was hearing from people. And then toward the end of our time, we're going to hear another testimony of thankfulness, someone that we've been journeying with over the last several months. But I want us to hear what the psalmist had to say as well. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to Psalm 30. We're going to read through this psalm, Psalm 30. And listen to what King David records for us. It says this. It says, I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me out from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. And so David is sharing something that's really painful, something really difficult, and how God 
met him there, how God was a help, how God brought healing, how God met him in the realm, he uses the word, the realm of death. And I don't know what you need help in this morning, but I want you to know there's a God who does want to give you help and strength and support. And we know that Jesus has moved into the neighborhood and has come near to us. But whatever it is that you need help with, I want you to do what David did, cry out and say, God, I need help with. Because he hears and he's near to us. Again, from the depths, he lifted David. And it goes on to say this. It says, sing praises to the Lord, you his faithful people, praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. And I want you to just to get a sense of what David is getting at. David is saying, hey, there was a, a time in my life where I was walking in self-reliance and not dependence on you. I was walking away from what you had for me. And he points out that his anger, God's anger towards David, only lasts for a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. That the favor that God has bestowed upon us through what Jesus would do for us through his life, death, burial, and resurrection is available to us. So if you are thinking about your worst moment, and you're like, man, God is so angry at me. David points out, it lasts for a moment, but his favor lasts for a lifetime. And David also points out that there's weeping. And you know, one of the things about this season of giving thanks in holidays, there's so much joy that is for sure ours in the season. But I think there's also equally an amount of sorrow and sadness for those who enter into a season where there's been loss or there's been death or there's been a death of a dream or a a death of a relationship or a death of a loved one. And I want you to hear that you don't weep alone. You have a God who draws near. And while he says weeping may last for the night, the joy comes in the morning. I don't want you to miss what he's not saying, though. He's not saying that we're not to weep. (laughs) I want you to know that part of this is weeping before someone someone who can hold our tears and hold us, and someone who can remind us we're never in this alone. And some of you right now, you're carrying a heavy load, and I want you to know there's a God who's going to turn something that's bad into something good and make good of it, even when it's not good. But I also want you to know it's okay that you feel sad. That is a human, God-given emotion. Jesus himself is called the man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Isaiah 53 calls him that. And he comes near to us in that. You know, this last couple weeks has been full of joy for me, but some sadness has come my way as well. And I'm not going to go into the details of this specific thing, but Monday, there's a family friend that I'm going to be doing a funeral of, of their child who tragically passed away at the age of three. And John and I are doing it, my twin brother doing it together. We're going to Virginia, we're praying for us. And it's sad how it happened. And to honor them, I'm not even going to go into details. But it's sorrowful. It's painful. It's gut-wrenching. And then I get a call from my father who says, hey, my father, you know, my grandfather, his, his dad, he says, hey, he's got about six months left to live. And I don't know my grandfather And all of a sudden, I'm entering into a space to comfort people I don't know. I'm on the phone with my Aunt Lapita, this sweet lady who's being the caretaker of both 
my grandfather and my grandmother in the Virginia area. And I'm just drawing near to her, and she doesn't know what to do with the sadness that she feels and these tears. And, and I love my dad, and I love the Salvadorian roots we have, but we do not do sad well. <laughs> and so my dad tells his sister, hey, don't grieve too quickly. You don't need to cry yet. You still have them. I'm like, well, no, that's not how it actually works, Dad. You know, we got to process grief. It kind of, you know, this is a lot. And so as I'm entering this space, I'm hearing stories about someone I don't know about my family. I'm getting to know my family. I'm getting to know my my cousin who lives in California, and and I've never met them. And I'm having these these stories, and, and there's great sadness because you're like, why didn't they pursue a relationship with me and my brothers? But then there's a joy. The joy that's coming in the morning is... I had an hour and a half conversation with my cousin, Jessica. And Jessica was just sharing with me about her journey with Jesus and filling in gaps with our family story. And we had a sweet time of talking together and praying together at the end of that conversation. And so though it's painful, right? Weeping lasts for the night. There's a joy that's coming in the morning. God is doing something. And I don't know what the undercurrent of what he's doing, but I do believe that my family... My family is saying, hey, we want to take the blessings from our family and bring them with us, but the brokenness we want to identify and lay it at the feet of Jesus. But we can't do that unless we're willing to enter the space of grief and sadness. And I don't like those things, if I'm honest with you. I don't don't enjoy them. I'm Joyful Joe. I'm like, hey, man, you know, this is great. But the Lord's showing me the power of, hey, leaning in, leaning in with him. And letting him bring his comfort, his wisdom, and weeping with me. And I don't weep alone, and you don't weep alone. And whether they're literal tears or the cries of your heart, there's a God again who draws near. Well, it continues on here. It says, when I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. And this is a a prideful declaration of David. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. And he goes on to say, Lord, when you favored me, made me made my royal mountain stand firm, but when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To the Lord I called, to the Lord I cried for mercy. What is gained if I am silenced? And if I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. And so what you're noticing here is that David goes on to talk about, in contrast, being self-confident versus being God-confident. You start to see that in the beginning. Like, I'll never be shaken. Like, this is really what I'm able to do. But then he recognized, it's your favor, Lord. It's your favor on my life. It's you doing what only you can do. And he has this conversation with God. And he says at the end here, hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my Help, be my help. Well, it continues on here, and it concludes with these words. It says, you turn my wailing into dancing. You remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy, that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. Again, you turn my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothe me with joy. A joy, again, that's rooted in in someone who's greater than our circumstances. And we're thankful that in Jesus, we know the full measure of who God is, the one who's always been, 
He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he says, then my heart will sing your praises. I will, I will give thanks. I cannot be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. And may we not be a silent people either. Because he's met us and he ministers to us in so many specific ways. He journeys with us through life and the experiences that we have. And as I said early on in our time together today, we want to continue in the spirit of, of hearing praises. And, and one of those stories that you have been able to pray with and, and be uh, walking alongside is the journey that Mike DeSelm has been on. And so at this time, I'm going to invite Mike DeSelm to come up, and he's going to give a testimony of thanksgiving, a thank, testimony of thanksgiving. Let's give it up for Mike DeSelm. there's a lot to this story, but the long and short of the story is in 2012, our family had a really dear friend, a mentor of ours who was stricken with cancer. And we watched him and our church family try to walk with him through that journey. But ultimately we saw our, our mentor not only succumb to the disease, but we watched the church that we planted together not do, how do I say this right? Just a lot of things fell apart. We'll just leave it at that. A lot of things fell apart. It was really hard for us, hard for the church, etc. Um, in August this year, uh, go back for a second. James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of heavenly lights, who doesn't change like the shifting shadows. Every good and perfect gift, everything, every affliction, every addiction, every disease, every good thing, every bad thing that you experience in your life is a gift that the Lord is going to use and can use if you're willing to let him use it for his glory in your story. Your deepest hurt will be your greatest ministry. And so in August, when my card was pulled to be diagnosed with cancer, um, there was weeping, there was gnashing of teeth, there was plenty of conversations with dear friends to walk me through the frustration, but there was also an overwhelming joy because I know that God's got a purpose for it. Um, and it's not just to, to wreak havoc in a story. And God's going to use it to redeem either something, he's going to use it to redeem something. I just didn't know what that something was. And what, you know, as, as Joe and I prayed through this, as, as uh, all of you prayed through this with me, um, I want to remind you of a story in Exodus chapter 17. So there's this guy in the Old Testament. His name's Moses. You might have heard of him. He's kind of a big deal. Uh, he did a lot of walking. He had a really cool stick. Um, had lots of friends that followed him into the desert. He had a dear... We're going to make this work. Hang on. He had a cool stick. He was walking in the desert, right? Um, he had some dear friends. He had a brother named Aaron and some other friends. And in their journey, they got a little off track. They got a little lost. And they got to a point where they questioned God an awful lot. And they were hungry. And so God's like, all right, cool, here's some manna. And they're like, we're not 
we want more. We want different manna. So they got quail. And then they got really thirsty. And they're like, we're thirsty. Aaron, Moses, why did you guys lead us out here? And Moses is like, God, what am I supposed to do with these people? And so he hits the staff with, uh, hits a rock with the staff. And they have water. And they're happy again. And then all of a sudden, people come against them. And they're fighting. And it's ugly. And Moses is tasked with this responsibility to go up on this hill. And he's supposed to pray over the battle. But if you, you guys, when we're worshiping, like, it's great, but, like, sometimes you raise your hands, right? Come on, I know a few of you do raise yeah. your hands. Your shoulders ever start screaming. Yeah. You get a little tired, and it starts to sag down. And instead of doing the two hands up, you're doing the one hand up, and then it's the hand <laughs> in the pocket, and then you kind of start to sit down. And you're trying, right? But it's exhausting, right? So here's Moses, and he's got to pray over this battle. And Joshua and the guys are out fighting, and they're trying to save the nation of Israel to get them going. And his arms get tired. And then... His brother Aaron comes up next to him and holds up his arm. And his buddy Hur comes up on the other side and holds up his other arm. And he gets tired of fighting and standing and praying. And so they they put a seat underneath him and then they hold his arms up. Thank you. Mm -hmm. You're really good at this, Joe. Have you done this before? (laughs) Um, He holds his arms up. And the long and short of the story is that The Israelites win the battle because Moses is able to keep praying because people came around Moses and supported him and encouraged him. And for our family and for our story, it has been beautiful to watch God redeem our heart for the church through my cancer journey. As so many of you have come alongside and held up our arms, have dropped off meals at our door unexpectedly, have showed up unannounced just to say, hey, we're in the neighborhood, we wanted to pray for you, um, have sent cards in the mail, have sent random text messages. Like, I, 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 it's overwhelmingly joyful to see this church bless our family. And so, you know, diagnosed with stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, it's, it's, it was kind of scary, like big words, right? And then I had a PET scan about two weeks ago, and this crazy thing happened. I'm in complete remission. All the cancer's gone. And that's not because of my prayers and my faithfulness, because I'm dirty rags and I've got a lot of sin and a lot of junk that I'm dealing with. And it's not because of Joe's faithfulness and prayers, because like me, he's got a junk he's dealing with. And it's not because of you, but it is because of you. It's because all of us together did what a church is supposed to do, and that's carry each other's burdens to the cross, to lay them before Jesus and say, it's yours, Lord. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above of heavenly lights who doesn't change like the shifting shadows. Now, my journey's not over. This is just the first milestone of many (laughs) that I am coming to grips with over the next five years. I still have one more cancer treatment left. I have two hospital stays. I have another PET scan if this thing shows up in my spine or in my brain in the next year, that's it. The cards are done. That's, the, the odds just don't look good, right? But we're praying. And whatever the outcome, it's God's outcome. And beautiful things are happening because we, together as a family, are carrying each other's burdens to the cross together. And so thank you. I am so thankful for what this church is doing, has done, and will do with my family and I as we journey forward. That is what I am thankful for. Thank you so much, Mike, for sharing that. Hey, let's pray for Mike real quick together. Father, right now, we just want to thank you.
for how you show up, how you meet us, how you minister to us, how you remind us we're never alone, but how you use your church, your people, to be your hands and feet, to hold up our arms when we don't have the strength to do it. And Lord, we're never meant to do this alone. And I thank you for the testimony of where Mike is on his journey right now, how you have saw fit to meet him and minister to him and through him and his family in this season. And Lord, we thank you for even this incredible praise report of the the cancer being in remission. And Lord, we want to pray for the many appointments, the many treatments, the many things that are ahead and unknown, but are known to you. And we want to pray for grace, strength, and support. And we want to pray for continued healing of our brother and that you would just anchor him in the hope that is found in you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Hey, thank you so much, Mike, for sharing. Yeah, we can give it up for that again. That's awesome. Well, hey, as we think about this idea of what Mike was sharing, here's something I want you to do today, and it's simply to answer the question, who and what are you thankful for? And what I want you to do is I actually want you to turn to someone around you at some point today in our gathering and answer this question. Because I do think sometimes as we go through Thanksgiving, we've said this throughout the series, we're like, oh, Thanksgiving's over. Thanksgiving's over. And so Thanksgiving and giving thanks, that's just kind of an afterthought. Uh, But really, it's meant to be the posture of our heart. We're meant to to walk in, in that spirit, in that attitude. And I know for some of you, you heard Mike's testimony and you were encouraged by that. But then I think some of you, you're wondering maybe why God didn't do that for you specifically. Like maybe there's some questions in your own heart and mind. You're thankful for what Mike shared. But maybe there's some kind of death that's occurred to a loved one, you know, to again, like a dream or something like, like that in your own life. And you're just asking questions around that. I want you to know there's a God who hears that and wants to draw near to that. And actually, I recently, and I'm just going to read this. I felt led to share this with you guys today. But I wrote this poem uh, in response to losing uh, my, my father-in-law in 2011. And then during COVID, uh, my grandmother passed. And we weren't allowed to go see her because of all the protocols at the nursing home in the Alexandria area. And I just remember thinking, like, wow, this is crazy that we, there's not real closure here. Um, and so I wrote this poem, and I hope it encourages you. I don't have it on the screen. I just felt led today to share it with you, like, early this morning. Um, and we had a crazy morning in a variety of ways here. Uh, so I, I just, bear, bear with me. It's not very long, but it just simply says this. It's called The Days After Death. It says, the days after death, you shed so many tears for the one who is so dear to you. The days after death, we weep. It cuts so deep that you are tempted to give into despair. The days after death, we're left with memories that we made together. The days after death, we have the legacy of love you left. The days after death, we are making memories without you while never forgetting you. The days after death, life, life goes on, but the loss never leaves you. The days after death, you wonder what you would have done in situations we find ourselves in. The days after death, we share stories of you and build on the story of a life well lived. The days after death, we remind ourselves that death doesn't have the final word and is defeated by Jesus. The days after death, we hold on to a living hope that says 
we will be reunited again. And I just want to share that with you because sometimes we don't have words to express maybe what we're feeling. But I want you to know, even the days after death, there is life that is found in Christ. There is a life that he wants to give us and restore and encourage. And part of the reason I, I wrote this poem was for my own, um, it was cathartic for me to do, and it helped me to have an expression for it. But also, I felt like there was a lot of people that were losing loved ones or, or dreams or visions, and they didn't have words. And so I share it with them as a way to just encourage their heart. And so wherever you are today, I want you to know there's a God who draws near. And maybe for you, the thing that you can thank him for is that truth and that reality, that he's coming near to you. And you don't know what good he's going to make of it, but to get to the point, and I know this is going to be really hard for some of you, where you just can believe, even when you don't feel like it, you are good. We can say to him, God, you are good even when life isn't good. You are good even when life isn't good. Uh, the pain of life is real, Jesus, but your, your peace is even more real. The pain of life is great, but Jesus, your peace is even greater. And so wherever you find yourself, I want to just give us permission as we wrap up our time together to just come before him and respond wherever we are to know again, he's good even when life isn't good. Even when the pain of life is great, his peace is even greater.